To all you lovers out there, happy Valentine's Week. Oh, yes. Happy Valentine's Week. Val? It's your week. Flight Cub Week. <laughs> it's me. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. Today is Elementopy Day. Will you be my Elementopy Tine? Yes. Will you be my Lemon Tine? <laughs> lemon Tine? <laughs> lemon Up Time? Tine? Lemon Up? When life gives you Lemon Up, make a podcast. <laughs> A lemon mop to mop up all your lemons. More like lemon nope. <laughs> anyway, shall we get into the podcast, perhaps? Okay. I get it, because it's letters. Y- yes, I intended to do that. <laughs> Welcome to LMNOP, the podcast about the best show on television. Killing Elementary. Eve. Well, that's a good show. I actually wouldn't know. I've never. I've seen one episode. It's a pretty good show. Yeah. It's about a lady named Eve, and she gets killed. Wow. Rip. <laughs> Just kidding. It's, um, at first I actually thought when you were watching Killing Eve that you were watching an episode of Elementary because it's very similar in that both have a uh, strong female Asian lead um, mm-hmm. as well um, as a lead that wants to kill everybody. What lead wants to kill everybody in Elementary? That's Sherlock. He's only a detective as a guise to cover up the fact that he's also a serial killer. <laughs> He uses his crime solving to pin the murders on other people. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's why they're always so convoluted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no! He doesn't kill people! Well, he has certainly wanted to. Well, who among us? <laughs> no, we're talking about elementary where Sherlock Holmes doesn't kill people. On screen, sure. I refuse to entertain the thought. <laughs> Today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 6, An Unnatural Arrangement. I'm your host, Val Flight Cub, a.k.a. An Old, Old Bowl. And I'm your co-host, co-ghost, because Sherlock Holmes killed me, off screen, Alec, a.k.a. Detective Not Val. <laughs> what, what is an unnatural arrangement? Would edible arrangements be considered? Oh, yes. No. Definitely. Especially the pr- the plastic fruit ones that people keep sending me very meanly. Keep trying to eat them. Well, plastic. of course. I mean, you're going to give it a try at first. Doesn't matter how many are sent. You're always going to bite into the first plastic ball that looks like an apple. Every time I think it's, oh, finally, they've, they're nice to me and they're sending me an edible arrangement. But no, it's an inedible arrangement. Couldn't it, couldn't it be another inedible arrangement that's too many? They're, they got to be expensive at some point. Did you like this episode? I did. I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I, there, there was a little bit of uh, a plot point that I was like, this is silly. You're in the wrong, but <laughs> other than that, yeah, I, I, I liked it. And, and I think even that silly plot point did lead to some nice character development. Yeah. And we disagree about how silly it is. Right. Well, we're not talking about how you feel about the episode. Until now, how did you feel about the episode? 
I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good. I, I was like, oh, it's Valentine's Day. Like, I wonder if there's going to be a Valentine's Day related plot. Not that they knew <laughs> in the show that we were going to be watching on a Valentine's Day, but there's like, there's a little bit of love partnership thing happening. Yeah, so. definitely. There was some partner talk, which I think is always sweet when we watch it together. Because we're partners. Yeah, I think so too. So this episode starts off on a Friday night and... Much like this one, it's Monday morning. Yeah, what do you... <laughs> on a Friday night, just like today. Uh, Joan and Sherlock are spending their Friday night the way everybody spends their Friday nights. At the police station, looking at people in the holding cells. Oh, sounds like fun. And Joan is like, we have a limited number of these in our lives. Why are we here? And Sherlock is like, this is the human condition in all its glory. <laughs> and, and what would you rather be doing on a Friday night, Joan? Yeah. Having drinks with Emily? Your friend? Ugh. Meeting a new handsome guy? Yeah, right. I mean, she could do that if she wanted to. Yeah, but instead, she's looking at all of these handsome gentlemen. She's honing her detective skills. Mm. So Sherlock is says, you know, each of these men is telling you something about how they got to be there. And Joan is like, look at the guy and tell him why he was arrested. It's That makes sense. Fun game. Fun game. So she's like, there's like 20 people in here. And Sherlock's like, you find that intimidating? And Joan is like, no. <laughs> like, no, challenge accepted. So she she goes to the first guy and like, Oh, this guy's, you know, uh, playing with his wedding ring a lot. You know, he must be guilty about the hooker that he hired earlier. Ooh. She says hooker. We don't say hooker, but anyway. Then um, she's like the guy in the polo shirt in the corner. That's drunk and disorderly. That one's a layup. It's <laughs> <laughs> like this frat boy with his like upturned collar and he's like drifting into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Very obvious. And then um, there's one guy who's covered, like, scalp to foot with tattoos, like, whole face, whole mm. everything. And he's, like, he looks really weird, and he's just, like, staring. He's just, like, sitting there, unmoving, mm -hmm. staring at one spot. Mm -hmm. And Joan is like, and him? Uh... I need a coffee. <laughs> yeah. This is going to take all night. Yeah. And Sherlock says, do you want a hint? It involves a litter of purebred Yorkshire puppies. <laughs> Joan is like, no, I don't want a hint. Hint. And goodbye. So Joan goes to get a coffee. And um, while she's there, this detective comes up to her and is like, hey, you're one of the consulting detectives, right? I'm Craig Baskin. So I guess this is before the old sardine oil, before Carol killed him. Oh, hey. Baskin. Carol Baskin. Tiger King. You get Tell it. Sardine oil. <laughs> <laughs> this guy looks like he has plenty of sardine oil in his hair. Mm-hmm. It's all slicked back. Looks good. Thinks he's a cool New York City detective. Sardine oil is a good hair, hair oil because not only does it stick very well, but then you smell like sardines. Yeah, which is a great way to attract a lot of pussy. <laughs> I, I I didn't want to say it, but it was already coming out. So <laughs> hey, if you weren't gonna say it, I was gonna say it. So oh. and then you know cut around it. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "You've never seen me around, and I'm not going to be in future episodes because I work nights." <laughs> and um, and she's like, "It's okay. I also have friends that I only see for one episode." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about it, Mister. Detective man. Mm hmm So he says, look, I'm stuck on this um, Band-Aid because Band-Aids stick on me. 
And no, uh, he's got this series of falafel cart robberies that he's just like, it's not, it shouldn't be that hard, but I just, I don't. How many falafel carts are in New York City? Well, in one precinct of New York City, how big is a precinct? Mm. Just answering your question that I don't know the answer to with a different question that I don't know the answer to. The Titanic was um, not a very well-known uh, cruise ship precinct. <laughs> <laughs> The Titanic song. So he's like, Look, can you just can you help, please? And Jonah's like, Yeah, Sherlock and I would love to help. And Detective Baskin is like, Um, just you. I, I talked to Sherlock once and he said I was interrupting his train of thought and he called me a a bell end. A bell end? So. What's that? Marcus's butt? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, a bell end is the end of your your pebus. Looks kind of like a bell. Uh, because British people, so that they don't startle people, tie a little bell to the end of their wiener, so you always know when they're coming. That's why when. <laughs> <laughs> That's why whenever Sherlock is walking around the apartment, you hear a very muffled, like, kind of... <laughs> so Joan is like, okay, just me. I'll help you. Sure. Mr. Bellend. So then we cut to a mom who is on the phone with her, leaving a voicemail with her son. And she's like, hello, I'm your mom. You're at college. You're not calling me. Bye. A, a, a very uh, stereotypical uh, mother-son in college relationship. Expository. Call. I don't think I, I called my mom 12 times my first year at college. Yeah, no, I, I definitely didn't. Yeah. I, I called my mom so infrequently that when she picked up, she thought something really bad had happened. Because <laughs> I, on, I didn't. I only ever called her like, Mom, I crashed the car. Oh, no. So she hangs up or whatever, and there's. Uh, she's entering her house. Did I mention that part? She's entering her house. It's at night, you know, she's turning on the lights, and then there's this guy. Sitting in her chair. Ooh. And he stands up and he's got a balaclava on and he says, Where is your husband? Where's your husband? Where are they? Where's Rachel? <laughs> and she's like, What? <laughs> Where's your husband? And she's like, Um, well, and she presses the car alarm and it distracts, it distracts the guy for a second. So she runs upstairs and she locks herself in the room and she grabs a gun. And she is aiming at the door, and the, she hears the guy on the other side of the door. Banging on it. Mm -hmm. And then she does a couple bangs of her own with bang, a bang, gun. Bang, bang, Shoots bang. it four times. And did you notice the, the gunshots? Yeah, they in were- In the door? They were pretty- They were in a little T. Yeah. It was like nipple, nipple, belly button, bell end. <laughs> <laughs> it was like very- It was center mass. It was good shooting. Yeah, yeah. I learned on Criminal Minds, um, one of the, the agents there said that, like, professional shooters always go for center mass, like, mm -hmm. assassins and stuff, and amateurs always go for the headshot. Right, yeah. I mean, real professionals will do um, chest, chest, head. Boom, boom. Yeah. Well, it depends on how far away you are. No. No. You always move up. You, you Far away, shoot him in the chest, and then you get a double check, so you can go up close. Mm -hmm. Bang. Real professionals will wear the armor that makes it so that you crit 90% of the time. Only when full health. Only when full health. And it's 92%. <laughs> 
I am I am looking for some armor that will <laughs> this is so stupid, this doesn't matter. <laughs> but I do want a couple couple pieces of armor that get rid of the, the crit chance with full health and just give me regular crit chance. Cause I'm I'm willing to sacrifice some crit chance with my full health, because sometimes I'm not always full health and I need more than a forty two percent chance to crit. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I'd gladly take 51% chance normally and only have like an 83% chance with full health. You know, these are the decisions you got to make in ancient Greece. But a lot of times you're just like running around on like with your horse and then you enter a fort and you're like not even in the fort yet. And you're like with your Artemis like arrows going to like shoot a shoot people through three walls. Yeah, which is why the full health. Crit damage is great. It's like five times crit damage. <laughs> but there are other times where I get into little scrapes. And and even if I get hit once, that's not full health. And then suddenly I'm down to 42% crit chance. And I'm doing less crit. And that's... I need my crit. <laughs> it's important stuff. <laughs> I'm also... Recently I've been putting my ability points into health... Returned from damage given, so that means like if uh-huh. I if I damage people, I get health back, uh-huh. which is a great way to get back up to full health for better crit chance. There you go. Welcome to uh, Odyssey Talk with me. It's me, <laughs> and that has been Odyssey Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. I'm not interested, <laughs> <laughs> and I am. <laughs> So she's she's uh, hit this guy center mass, you know, and well, she's hit the door. She's hit the door center mass. We 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 haven't seen the guy. No, and then she calls nine one one, and she's like, "I just shot a guy who was intruding in my home," and they're like, "Are you safe now? Is he still there?" And she's like, "No, I think he left. Um, you got to check on my husband. He works in the eleventh precinct." <gasps> His name is Tommy Gregson. Tommy Gregson. Oh, shit. We know that guy. We've heard of him. Whoa. Whoa. And then we get a slightly shorter intro. Yeah, just like. A couple seconds shaved off. Yeah. It's funny because we can never tell what is missing, but we can tell something is. Mm -hmm. The The, music just has a slight little hiccup in it. I was going to say, the music sounds a little off. Mm -hmm. Now, I also know that they probably did this because it's a TV show and... I mean, no, fuck that, because they say addresses all the time on TV shows. It annoyed me that that the police captain's wife did not begin the 911 call saying, I am at 149 Smith Street and a man just came in and, and with a gun and I just, you know, shot him and yada, yada, yada. Well, she's not a police captain and they can trace your address from your... She's calling from a landline. They already know where she's calling from. Well, I guess that's true. Anyone else listening, start your 911 call with your fucking address. <laughs> People can't help you if they don't know where you are. Well, if- and, and you're you're right. She was using a landline. I'm just saying, at the time, I wasn't thinking that it was a landline. And everyone else in the world does not use a landline anymore. So just start your 911 calls with the address. That's all I'm saying. Can they not triangulate it from your phone? Not as well as CSI makes it out to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Like, they'd be able to triangulate your position, meaning they'd be like, oh, these are the three nearest cell towers, so they're in this triangle Mm -hmm. of location. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. So now the captain's house has become a crime scene. And uh, when we get back from the intro, there's a guy dusting 
a photo photo frame um, that's got a young Tommy Gregson in it with a little kid on his shoulders. No, it's cute. And this is like a, a younger photo of the actual actor. It's nice. So anyway, um, the captain gets there and he runs into the kitchen and hugs his wife. G- great acting in the scene from from Tommy. Like as soon as he like he he like he comes into the house and it's like a cool shot too. It kind of like follows him and you see his face and he's like obviously incredibly worried. And then there's just like an extra that's just like she's in that room and he just immediately goes there and just like are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Sherlock and Joan arrive on the scene. And they see Belle, who's talking to the neighbor, and he's like, I was working out of the garage when the guy came. Really? Middle of the night, you're working out in the garage? Good for you. What do you, jog in the morning, too? (laughs) And he has, like, uh, a a tank top, you know, Mm -hmm. because he's got muscles. Ooh, look at you. It's really not as big of a deal in the show (laughs) as it it feels like right now. But anyway, um, so Belle is talking to him, and Sherlock comes in, and he's like, is Captain here? And Bella's like, yeah, he's inside. I'm giving him a minute. And Sherlock starts to walk in. And Belle goes, hey, I'm giving him a minute. And Sherlock's like, oh, oh okay. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes, Mr. Bell, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's like, Bella's like, you don't know, you don't know this better than me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, you need to follow my lead on this. Yeah. And he, yeah, it's, it's very funny. He's like, he's like, no, when I said I'm giving a minute, I didn't mean me. <laughs> right, right. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> I meant we are giving him a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. So then the neighbor uh, says that he saw a guy with a mask running away. But the neighbor also says that his name is Jim Monroe, as in James Monroe, as in the, the fifth president of the, the United States. The fifth president. The fifth president because George Washington was first. Then it was John Adams. John Adams. And then it was John Quincy Adams. No, then, then it was Thomas Jefferson. Then it was Thomas Jefferson. So I was quizzing you. <laughs> then it was John Quincy Adams? Could be. I don't actually know. Then it was James Monroe. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. And James Monroe's vice president was... Also a, a guy. Also a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't have to say who the sixth president is, because we all, we all. Yeah, you know, we know, I know. Yeah, we all know. So, um, he's talking, and Sherlock is looking around at the scene, and he says, oh, sorry to interrupt your doctrine. Did you guys see there's blood on this car? Yeah, like the Monroe doctrine. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, it's a reference. A reference. He knows too much about American history. <laughs> I mean, I think Monroe Doctrine, you don't even really need to know what it is to know that phrase. Oh, yeah, I know that phrase, too. I know it. Monroe Doctrine basically said, um, how about America doesn't worry about anybody but America? America first and last. Mm-hmm. That's all. Y- that's y'all's business. That's what the Monroe's doctrine said. <laughs> so interesting. Blood on the car. As the, you know, as the robber ran away, he must have gotten some blood on him. So now Cheryl is ready to um, to give her testimony to talk about what happened. That's captain's wife? Cheryl is the captain's wife. Yes. So she says he was wearing a mask that I can describe to a composite artist. He was about 6'2", 170 pounds, and he had a Glock 21. And I was like... Oh, is that how you're supposed to describe guns? Mm. Not just the kind of bullet and then the word gun at the end? Because <laughs> I would have been like, he had a, a gun? Yeah, he had a black gun. It was black. And it was pointed at me and I didn't like it. And it didn't have an orange tip, so I knew it wasn't fake. Or he might have just painted it. <gasps> That's yeah. illegal. I know. 
I can't believe he did something illegal. What the heck? We should get him for that. (laughs) Also, Cheryl, I can describe the mask too. Color it in black. Yeah, it had eye holes. Yeah. Draw an oval and then fill it in. You know a ski mask? That. I mean, I guess if they found somebody and, you know, they found a ski mask that looked exactly like the one that Cheryl described. Then they could probably find 12,000 other people with the exact same ski mask. What if it was one of those Gucci ones? Oh, that, yeah. With the big red lips. Isn't that a a thing where Gucci ski masks have like... (laughs) I don't know. I was just imagining like... Where Vision has his little mind stone. There's just like a a G for Gucci on the (laughs) ski mask. (laughs) Anyway, I think I'm thinking of something else. Every time you say um, balaclava, I think of um, baklava. Yummy. (laughs) He had had a piece of baklava on his head. (laughs) He was just covered in dessert. Mm -hmm. He was dripping in honey. (laughs) Little ground up walnuts. He had a chalk 22. (laughs) So Bella's like, have you seen anybody unusual around the neighborhood recently? And Cheryl's like, no. And they're like, Captain, have you? And he's like, no, but I'm not living here right now. <gasps> I haven't been here for a month. Oh my goodness. Adults he, not living in the same house. He's working so hard at the police station that he just keeps sleeping there. I don't think that's true. Well, he's been working so hard at the police station that he's no longer sleeping with Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So anyway, they wrap up the interview with Cheryl. There's, she doesn't really have any extra information about anything. And um, Captain says, listen, I can't run point on this because this is my, you know, I'm the target. My wife was the victim. So I'm not running point when I tell you to, I want to rush on the serology and the fingerprints. <laughs> if I was running point, this is what I would do, but I'm not. That's so. just my opinion. As your boss. <laughs> it's funny, like, as if Bell wouldn't also take this personally and put a rush on everything. And, yeah. you know, like, this is high priority. Like, a police captain was targeted. But then as uh, as he goes to leave, Sherlock stops him and is like, hey, so you know that Joan and I are going to put our 100% into this. Um, and that is going to involve us having to go over your life with the, like a fine-tooth comb. Are you okay with that? And the captain is like, yeah, whatever you need. And I just like this moment because it's like, Sherlock didn't have to, you know, he went out of his way to be like, yeah, you're, you're kind of a private guy. Is this going to be okay that we do this? You know, not just like trampling all over the captain like, well, you're part of a, mer- a mystery now. So, <laughs> you know, he's suddenly teleported to the 1920s. <laughs> hmm. See, <laughs> you're part of a mystery. You're a person of interest. See, um, so now they're at the brownstone and they're looking through things. Joan is looking through the captain's, uh, you know, police history and Sherlock is going through his emails. He's gotten a lot of forwarded emails of mischievous kittens, apparently. Um, and Joan says, Captain turned down a promotion to be New York's youngest detective because he didn't want to work for IA. Oh, and this is supposed to endear us towards him? Yeah, he has such integrity. Oh, right. That he doesn't- Because internal affairs are the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Because they don't let police officers just do whatever the 
fuck they want. Which is bad. <laughs> oh, it's bad. So rude of oh, them. man. Cops are great and need no oversight. I hate- every cop show, IA, is bad. Mm-hmm. There's not a- there's one show about a person who's in IA, and the whole story is that, like, she's ostracized from her family and her cop friends. Yeah. And it's like, hey, cops, if you didn't do anything wrong, you got nothing to worry about. Right? Right? You know? Like- It's kind of the thing you say. Yeah, oh, got them. Yeah. They're always- I mean, it's always, like, portrayed as, like, oh, they they unnecessarily- Tie the cops' hands behind their backs. You know, it's red tape, and it's always it's an overstep. It's it's not because their job is bad. It's I shot a guy last week, and they're still not letting me shoot more people. Freaking harping on it, yeah. Because I mean, it's the same way of like. Oh, it's not that I don't like unions. It's just that, you know, this union tends to really overstep and charge too much and ask for too much. Mm. You know, people don't really want. It's like, no, you don't like unions. Yeah. Just say that. (laughs) Like, I would like IA in theory, but what they actually end up doing is bad. No. Nuh-uh. So Joan and Sherlock are chatting and Joan is like, yeah, he's been, you know, we didn't, I didn't know any of the, a lot of the stuff in the file. I, I mean, none of us even knew he was separated. And Sherlock's like, well, you didn't know. <laughs> I knew. Obviously, I knew. Obviously. Or like I suspected. And Joan is like, you didn't say anything to him? And Sherlock's like, why would I? His work hasn't suffered. You know what it is? I bet Captain Gregson's hands smelt like hotel shampoo. <laughs> or just a hotel shot, uh, soap. It doesn't have to be shampoo. I don't know his hair. Well, I guess I guess your hand could smell like shampoo. How else are you going to put it in your hair? It's true. But yeah, I He doesn't soap. look flexible enough to use his feet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, apparently, you know, it's because Captain's been showing up late and leaving earlier and not bringing bagged lunches and blah, blah, blah. But it's probably also the hotel soap thing. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny because I thought he was being like, well, he didn't mention it, so why would I mention it? But what he's actually saying, what he actually says is his work hasn't suffered, as in like, <laughs> I would bring it up if it was a problem, but it's not. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just a- He might be having personal issues, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Professionally, it's fine. Yeah. And he says, you know, I'm surprised it, this had this hadn't happened earlier because being a detective, like I've told you, Joan, it's not a job, it's a calling. And plus, marriage is an elaborate ruse and the title of the episode, an unnatural arrangement. Ah. is like, of course you think it's an, it's an elaborate ruse anyway. Um, found a bunch of cases of captains that might have created some enemies for him. And Sherlock is like, yes, but... I don't think it has anything to do with that, so good job. <laughs> All the work that you've been doing, I think, is fruitless. <laughs> and the emails that I've gone through, now prove it. Fruitless, like an inedible arrangement. Like an inedible arrangement. I keep thinking there's fruit. <laughs> but there's not. I'm so hungry. <laughs> so basically, Sherlock is like, I don't think it's somebody that Captain has like arrested recently because all of his cases, I mean, he's the captain for major case. So anybody that, you know, he's been responsible for putting away recently would be like a clever major case committer kind of smart guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, somebody stupid enough to like to attack a police captain in his house. 
mm-hmm. but not even know that the captain is home. Like, it, it's too much trouble to, like, go to, and, you, like, you're too likely to, like, go to jail, basically. Yeah. That he's like, this had to be somebody who was, like, stupid, basically. Yeah, it, it's funny, because I, I didn't really think all of that through until you just said it. I was kind of like, smart people would go after the captain, too. Yeah. Like, smart people have crutches, and they take revenge. But you're 100% right. A smart person would know where he is. Right. And would break in when he's coming home. <laughs> right. And also, like, would maybe shoot him from afar or something, you know, if you're, yeah. like, gonna attack him. So he's like, what we're looking for is an idiot. And I have found one in the captain's spam folder. <laughs> so there's this guy, Dustin Bishop, who we should just call Stan, because he's been sending Tommy Gregson all these emails, like, Dear Slim. <laughs> I, what, what did the sand letters say? Dear Slim, I wrote you, but still ain't calling. I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom. I sent two letters back in autumn. You must not have got them. There probably was a problem at the post office or something. Sometimes I scribble addresses too sloppy when I drop them. But anyways, fuck it. What's been up, man? How's your daughter? <laughs> so Dustin Bishop is sending these emails to Captain that are basically that of like, Hey, buddy, can I still call you buddy, even though you don't ever call me back? <laughs> I really like the way that you uh, solve your crimes. Um, you're buddy, Dustin. <laughs> right. <laughs> Later when we get to his house, I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's Stan. Probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan. I even got the underground shit that you did with Scam. I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which we find out this guy does. Yes. Captain comes into the police station and everybody's like, hi, Captain. Hi, how you doing, Captain? Hey, how you doing, bud? Hey. Mr. Captain, sir. And Bell comes up to him and he's like, please tell me you have police work to talk to me about. And Bell is like, yes, we got nothing. (laughs) The prince did not match anyone and neither did the blood. Sorry. Oh, there were no, there was no prince on the car besides Cheryl's. Right. Guy must have been wearing gloves. Mm -hmm. They definitely bled. He did. And Bell says, um, Holmes and Watson are running down some Holmes and Watson thing, (laughs) which I love. I just like that they're Holmes and Watson now. Yeah. They they do Holmes and Watson stuff. You know, they don't do Holmes stuff. Right. So Bell is like, listen, does this have anything to do with the separation? And the captain's like, the separation is not even a big deal. It's nothing. Ah. It's a trial separation. A trial separation that's been lasting a month. Yeah. It has no end in sight. Uh-huh. It's fine. Ah. So Holmes and Watson are on their Holmes and Watson thing, which is they're going to Dustin Bishop Stan's house. And they're like, Dustin Bishop, are you in there? And he doesn't answer. And they both pull out their lockpicking kits. <laughs> and Sherlock's like, oh. After you. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> And uh, who, who do you think is is better at lockpicking? Sherlock. I, I think Sherlock can do a wider variety um, and some of like the harder stuff he'd be better at. But I think like a simple lock to pick, I think Joan could beat him. Why? She's got those doctor hands. Oh, yeah. She was a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. You think she'd be better at operation too? The game? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd love to see a, a little competition between the two of them. Oh, my God. That would be a great end of an episode. <laughs> So they get into Dustin's apartment, and he's lying on the floor in the kitchen, and he's bleeding out of his shoulder because he's got a big hole in it. Oh. From a gun. 
He's got a gunshot wound. How come every time they look for somebody, they they wind up being shot or dead? Because it's detective show. Oh, makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And so they get Bell on the scene. They get Captain on the scene. Not that that he's working the case. No. No. He's just hanging out. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good question. Why is he... Why is he even there? He's like, I'm not I'm not working. I'm not working, everyone. I'm just making casual conversation. Looking. <laughs> uh and and Dustin has all these pictures of Captain on the on the wall. Now, do you think that these pictures have been taken throughout the season, the filming of, of the season, knowing that this episode was coming up? Or do you think that these are pictures that were taken during this episode? Or do you think that they had a separate day of filming specifically to take these pictures of of Gregson? I think these are on-set photos from previous episodes. Yeah. Because um, there's actually not that many of them. No, it, it, it's honestly, it's not even that impressive of a stand wall. I'm pretty sure Sherlock has had more pictures of, of possible bad guys <laughs> on his wall than... Than Stan does with the captain. <laughs> yeah. But he also has newspaper clippings and stuff, you mm-hmm. know. So, Bill's like, well, you know, we we got him. He's got the same kind of gunshot wound that your wife gave to the intruder. And he has the same kind of gun that your wife ID'd on the intruder. And so, we're going to test his blood. It's probably going to be a match to the blood on Cheryl's car. And Sherlock's like, no. <clears throat> it's not. Wrong. Sally. I don't even need to get his blood type back because I'm already be positive that he's not our guy. <laughs> and Bell's like, oh, negative you are. <laughs> so Sherlock thinks that Stan is not our guy because Stan shot himself in the right shoulder, which is actually the wrong shoulder. Because the guy that Cheryl shot was shot in the left shoulder, which is how blood wound up on the car. On the driver's side of the car. On the driver's side car. You know, the the way the house and and driveway was set up, if the guy was shot on the right shoulder and got blood in the car, he would have had to do like some sort of spin move in the driveway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Whereas it makes a lot more sense if it was his left shoulder and he kind of like stumbled, hit the car and kept going. Mm -hmm. So Sherlock thinks that Stan intends intended to confess to a crime that he hadn't done for the attention. And, uh... Ooh, maybe I could get an interrogation room with Mr. Captain. Ooh! Maybe if I grab his hair during it, I can pull out some strands and then eat them. (laughs) Gain his detecting power. So, Sherlock, one thing I like about this scene is Sherlock says, you know, the man is clearly um, not well in the head. He has some antipsychotic medication in the bathroom. And I was like, ugh, so. But then he says, that hasn't been filled in quite some time. Because I always hate when people are like, this person's clearly delusional. They're on antipsychotics. And it's like, no, they're on antipsychotics. <laughs> right. Like, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. It's like, this guy's head must be so, so cold. I found a hat. <laughs> right. Right. And then, of course, Bell gets a text that's like, yeah, they checked his blood type and it's not the same as the blood in the sample. So we don't even need to run the DNA because we know it's not going to be a match. Sorry, Captain. Womp womp. So now we go to a new person's apartment. Some guy we've never met before. Whose apartment? Oh. But he gets shot. Uh Uh-oh. Bong, bong. 
With a gun? Oh, yeah, with a gun. Oh, no. Yeah. And he dies. So they look at him in the, the coroner's office. And Belle says, Oh, that's nice. You got a coroner office at work, huh? <laughs> and Belle says to the captain, You know, according to the evidence, you guys got a friend in common. So I didn't know that whoever um, the captain's wife shot was his friend. Yeah, best friends. When did we... Really good friends. Yeah. Yeah, he came in and he was like, where's the captain? We're late for bowling. <laughs> where's your husband, my good friend? Right, where's where's your husband? So the captain doesn't know who this guy is. He's like, I've never seen this man before in my life. Okay. So, sounds like internet friends to me. <laughs> right? Um, We've only gone wee bowling. <laughs> I knew I know he was an imposter once. Um, he killed me. And and Sherlock of course is like, "Well, you don't know that you've never seen him. Maybe you did and you just don't remember yet." Yeah. They're like, "Okay, whatever anyway." I mean, I think it's funny cuz cuz Captain's like, "What do you think I'm lying to you about knowing this guy?" And Sherlock's, "No, I, I just think you're an idiot." <laughs> Not everybody has as good of memory as me, Sherlock Holmes. Not everyone has a big brain like Sherlock Holmes, me. <laughs> so what they know about this guy is he's ex-military because he's got shrapnel wounds. And then Sherlock's like, oh, it's also interesting he has a stab wound, which you don't really get in war any like anymore these days because mm. people- Bayonets aren't really a thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they're not. But they're like, okay, well, seems like this is it. Um, Watson and I will keep looking at stuff. And they go, to, they leave, and Bill is like, "Oh, Captain, um, the neighbors said when we were canvassing that they had seen a light blue pickup truck outside your house a couple times last week." And he's like, "So does that ring any bells to you?" He's like, "A light blue pickup truck? Hmm. Nope. Means nothing to me. Oh, that was a truck." <laughs> So now we're back in the station and Joan goes to up to Baskin. She's like, hey, so, you know, just so you know, I'm going to need a couple more days before I can look at your case. And Baskin is like, uh, okay. Uh, Sherlock didn't tell you? Tell me what? He's like, Sherlock solved the case for me. So we're, it's all set. <sighs> and Joan is like, he, what? what? So she goes to Sherlock, who is in the, um, you know, a little conference room or whatever, looking at looking at evidence and he folds two pieces of paper over at the same time, like he's reading two books at once. <laughs> and she's like, you saw Baskin's case. And Sherlock's like, what's a Baskin? <laughs> what, you haven't seen the Tiger King documentary? Yeah. Mr. Holmes? He's like, did I solve a case at Baskin Robbins? I don't think so. I would think I would remember something so delicious. <laughs> Jonah's like, the detective! That gave me the case. And Sherlock's like, oh, that. I refer to most detectives as... Not Belle. So Sherlock is like, well, I needed a palate cleanser between cases. Because I was working on that other case last night. And I just want to do something else for a minute. I saw your case file on the, you know, where we left it. And I just solved it real quick. You, you, you know, when I need a break from something, I'll go get a snack. Or maybe I'll go for a little walk. Sherlock either just solves another case or plays Tibetan monk music at um a hundred volume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his way of clearing his mind from doing something is by doing it a different way. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, oh I'm I'm burnt out from solving uh, this case. Let me solve a different case. He's like, oh I'm playing too much Assassin's Creed. Let me play God of War. <laughs> so Jonah's like, but that was my case. 
I, I wanted to solve it. And Sherlock's like, well, I, I solved it. You didn't say that I couldn't do it. And so. I was just lying around the apartment and, and we're partners. Yeah. And so I did my part. Nur. Nur. <laughs> you nur. Um, this is the this is the the argument that you feel like Joan is wrong with. Yes. Because she's like, I wanted to solve it. And Sherlock's like, Do you, should we have waited? Like, we, you weren't going to get to it for a while. Like, is it not better to have the case solved? Right. Which is, I agree with 100%. Joan literally told Baskins, because of the case with the captain, she was not going to get to the falafel robberies for a couple days. Yeah. And you know what can happen in the next couple days? More falafel robberies. That's true. That is true. So I think if there wasn't a post-it note on it that said, Joan's eyes only. For Joan's eyes only. Then Sherlock had every right to solve it. And he does not just Baskins, but also New York City a service by doing so. I think he does, but it's also... I, I can see why Joan is like, that was my thing. And you just made it another, like it was special to me, but to you it was just another case. I wanted to do it. Yeah, and again, I totally get where Joan is coming from, but maybe don't take two days to not look at a case. Well, <laughs> you have gone your whole life without looking at a case, so... That's not true. I've looked at many a briefcase. Oh, yeah. There's a suitcase in our bedroom. <laughs> so, Bell interrupts this, and because he's like, oh, you're not in the middle of something, are you? <laughs> Am I interrupting? <laughs> he doesn't say it in a shitty way. No, but he means it in a shitty way. <laughs> so he's like, we found um, this new dead guy's mom. So we're going to make a next of kin notification. So the guy in the coroner's office is this guy named Sam Clemen or Clennon. Clennon. I think Sam Clemens is a playwright. Yeah. Sam Clemens. Is Mark Twain. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Is that right? Who wrote um, True West? Uh, Sam Sam Shepard. Ah, that was half right. Yeah, so we don't see them go there. We First, we're going to follow Captain back to his old house, where he's going to talk to his uh, his wife about- His old wife. <laughs> about the blue tr- light blue pickup truck that he definitely doesn't know whose it is at all and has never heard of before. What's light blue? <laughs> so, um, I noticed in this scene that Cheryl, the wife, kind of looks like Jenna Marbles, but like 20 years older. Huh. I don't know. Interesting. So, Captain is like, so, you seen Steven Acorsi lately? Steve. Steve with the light blue pickup truck. And she's like, yeah, so, what about it? Just like, we're separated. This is what separated means, is that I'm allowed to have dinner with whoever I want. You don't get to say shit. Yeah. Also, when you are married, you're you're allowed to have dinner with whoever you want. Uh-huh. Just a thought. But, um, yeah, she's like, I, you know, he came over to help move some furniture, and then the second time he came over, I made him dinner. But nothing happened. Nothing is going to happen. He knows that. And the captain is like, I guess I could just go out and pick up some floozy at a bar. It's so funny because he pauses slightly before he says floozy. And as soon as he said it, I looked at you and I was like, why did I know he was going to use the word floozy? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, well, if that's what you want, then you can do that. And he's like, that's not what I want. What I want is to be with my My wife. wife. (laughs) 
And she's like, well, you know, I'm not, I was, I told you I'm not happy. And so, you know, I need to live in this time while we're away. Yeah. Like I get that this was, you know, the first time we're hearing about the separation and their relationship and everything. And, you know, we need to get like all the details of it. But like this episode does not make Tommy look good. Why? Just like the whole time I'm like, yeah, maybe she doesn't want to be with you because you're controlling. Well, he doesn't like the idea of his wife going on a date. Yeah, well, I just I just very heavily side with Cheryl in all of this. I'm like, you guys are separated. If you want to have dinner with somebody, you know, feel free. And I don't think your separated husband has a right to give you shit about it. I think it's like this. They're separated, which is kind of like being broken up. And kind of not. And I think she has the right to do what she wants to do because that's the whole point of being separated. But I think he's also allowed to feel sad and broken up with. And, you know, he, he's focusing on the fact that it's they're not really broken up. And she's focusing on the fact that they're not really together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he's, you know, has the right to feel however he wants, but I'm just watching this like, maybe this isn't your the best move to get back with your wife. But they've been together for a really long time. Well, they've been legally, contractually married for a very long time. They haven't been together for a very long time, because he spent all of his time at the police office. You're really going hard for this. You want them to break up, don't you? Yeah. Well, this is basically the central conceit of their conversation as well, because he says, you know, when did I tell you I was ever going to be anything but a cop? You know, he's saying, you know, basically like, this is what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, when did I tell you I was always going to be okay with that? Of like, yeah, this this is what I signed up for. And maybe I want to unsign up for it now. Yeah, that's what marriage is. You can just hop on out of that anytime you like. It's true. And you should, if you want to. I believe that you always have to try to make it work until you realize that, nah, it's it's not gonna. I think so, too. So now we go to Sam Clemen, Clennon Clemen's mom's house. And she's talking about how, uh, and and she's like, wow, he went to Afghanistan three times and he gets killed at home. And uh, Sherlock asks about who stabbed him. And Mrs. Clemens says, well... When Sam was in Afghanistan, there was this guy who was having trouble adjusting, and uh, he tried to talk to him, and and the guy stabbed him, because he was crazy. Oh, crazy. He was going sand crazy. (laughs) Some people just don't like sand. Of course, it gets everywhere. It's true. So, she's like, you should talk to his commanding officer, Jim. Jim Monroe. Jim Monroe, like the fifth president. Like the fifth president, like the neighbor that Belle was talking to. And they have a flashback oh. and Sherlock says, oh, the fifth president. And then and then Belle says- The guy with the buzz cut and the tattoo. Yeah, there's a lo- it's a lot of, hey, remember this guy? It was too much for me. It was literally 15 minutes earlier. Like, yes, we yeah, all remember that. It, it did not need the flashback. No. Treat your audience smarter. Like, if he hadn't if he hadn't said, oh, sorry to interrupt your doctrine, and been like, oh, like the fifth pl- president, like, the first, if the first time it was just like, oh, yeah, we're talking to Jim Monroe, blah, blah, blah. And then later, she's like, oh, Jim Monroe is the, th-. then I think we would have had to have a flashback of like, oh, this guy, do you remember seeing him? He was important. But let me ask you, though, in, in how many of these episodes are... Or there a flashback like that? Because I feel like there's plenty of times where it's like, oh, this person that we talked to earlier is connected. Maybe because 
they didn't like interview him and he was just like there at the crime scene for a hot second. They felt like maybe people didn't remember him as much. Yeah. But I think it's for things that they think people aren't going to be paying attention to the first time. So they have to like show it to you again. Because mm-hmm. like the thing of like when the guy, um, when they interview that guy um, who has diabetes and he has all those diabetic accommodation items mm-hmm. stuff because he has low grip strength. Like, they do a flashback to, to show you all of those items. Yeah. Even though technically they were in the shot the first time. Yeah, and, and I was also just thinking maybe they do this because, spoiler alert, we don't see him alive again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that might be why. So Sherlock has pieced some things together. He calls Captain Gregson. And he's like, you gotta take the detail that's at your house and take it to your neighbor's house. James Monroe. Because the connection isn't between Sam Clement and you. It's between James Monroe and Sam Clement. Oh. And he says, I looked up your house on Maps Earth. <laughs> Two very generic words. And uh, if you go on Maps Earth, it'll show, it shows you a picture of Captain's house and not of James Monroe. So if you just like plugged his address in, you might get that. And he's like, but instead of something like getting a pizza that's supposed to be delivered to his house. I got the killer. Ah. Uh, pepperoni, extra bullet in your face. <laughs> Oh, I don't have any money. Can I pay with something else? You misunderstood the genre of this. (laughs) (laughs) You're alive. (laughs) They should make a map app just called Map with two Ps. So it's a map, it's an app, and it's a map? It's the map app. Maplication. If you were going to make a map app, that would be a good thing to call it. (laughs) But then you could never have a desktop version. Oh, map top. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Map top. You only get the northern half of every map. <laughs> you want to see the rest? Buy map bottom. <laughs> so they go to James Monroe's house, and Gregson is like, Jim, it's me, Tommy, let me in. And he doesn't answer, but he's in danger, so they, they break in the door. And unfortunately, like you said, spoiler alert. Fifth president is dead. Is dead, and so is the guy with the same name as him. <laughs> There's money on the ground everywhere. Dead presidents. <laughs> I don't think all currency should have presidents on them. There are other things. Well, there's Ben Franklin. That's a great point. I think Ben Franklin should be the president. He invented lightning. Well, I don't know if the window has closed on that one. But I have a feeling that it has. Yeah, it would be cool if um, if we had uh, people on our money that accomplished great things, not just in the sphere of politics, but in life. Yeah. Science. Or just like a bird. Birds are nice. A bird. Yeah. That's where we could put the turkey, because Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be our national bird. Oh. Replace replace Ben Franklin with a turkey. He'd be a great president, because people would be like, you lied to the American people. And he's like, I've always been Franklin with the American people. BRB, gonna go change my name and then run for president. <laughs> I vow you, you. That it could be yours. America. America. I could. My slogan is, if you want a president that acts like a phallic, vote for Alec. <laughs> if, if you want a president that isn't Alec, then fark you, <laughs> son. <laughs> so now they're in the captain's office They're telling him all about what they discovered Bell is like, you know, the guy that had um, Sand poisoning is this guy Jacob Esparza 
And he was the one that uh, stabbed Sam Clemen, according to James Monroe's report. And so, you know, he probably has a vendetta against these two guys. He probably is the killer. So let's go talk to him. And Captain's like, sounds great. And then uh, they go to leave and Sherlock closes the door behind Bell and Watson. And he's like, well, Captain. And Captain's like, what? Well, what? And he's like, um, you glanced at me earlier? <laughs> Captain was like, you were standing in front of me. And he goes... Yes, but your glances were furtive. So you keep saying furtive. I kept hearing flirtive. Flirtive. <laughs> yes, Captain. You wanted to see me? Slowly taking off his shirt. <laughs> you batted your eyelashes at me, Captain. <laughs> Twice. I saw you pass a note to Watson, who had to pass it to Belle, who had to pass it to me. <laughs> so Captain's like, okay. Yeah, I was thinking about asking you for something after this case is over, and then I realized that it's a stupid idea, and so I decided not to. People can do that, you know, decide not to share their thoughts with you. And Sherlock's like, not really. I can read people's <laughs> minds. You can't hide from me. I know everything. <laughs> I'm Sherlock. Come on. So the thing that Captain tells Sherlock he was thinking about asking but isn't going to ask is to check out this guy with the light blue pickup truck that was, you know, did a, was a contractor for their house a couple times and an old friend of his wife's. Uh, he wanted to make sure he's on the up and up, but then he's like, but I decided not to. Yeah, but don't you think him telling all of this to Sherlock is really asking him yes. to look into it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I'm not going to ask you, but if I were to ask you, it would look like this. But don't do it unless yeah. you want to. And, you know, no. and he says, it's probably too late anyway, because she and I talked yesterday and I don't think it's going to work out. And he, he's, he really does that line justice. And there's this like really heavy pause in between where you can just feel him being like, be manly. Yeah, you liked this acting a lot. It was good acting. That's good. Yeah, his eyes look just a little bit red and like not that like he's about to cry, but just like he's uh, emotions, emotions. So Sherlock says another great Sherlock thing. Um, I love that this is in the same episode as uh, I call most detectives around here, not Bell. <laughs> he says, well, listen, Captain, you know, if you want to talk, just let me know and I'll make Watson available to you. <laughs> do you think he's serious here? Or do you think he's, he's making a joke? Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely, yeah. yeah. It's a serious offer. Because he's like, I want to help you, but I know that talking to me isn't helpful emotionally. <laughs> so now Sherlock and Bill are interrogating this guy, Jacob Esparza, who stabbed Sam Clement. And apparently, according to Bill, Jacob is what they call a cool customer. He doesn't seem that bothered to be shown these pictures of these dead guys, you know? He's been to war. Yeah, he's seen worse than this. So he's looking at these pictures of the dead guys, and he, he says, even in death, they're still messing with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you pointed out is clearly written for TV, because this guy would definitely say, yeah, they're still fucking with me. Yeah. <laughs> so he explains that uh, he went off to war and had a girl... Um, and then found out that the girl cheated on him. So he takes cheaters very seriously. And then he found out that Sam was seeing a lady in Afghanistan. And that Afghanistan lady had a husband. Yeah. So he took that personally. 
and stabbed him. So apparently he just confronted mm, Sam and then yeah, Sam, yeah. it made it physical. But sure. he did have a knife on him, so. Yeah, Bell, Bell's like, so you, you stabbed him? He's like, no, I talked to him. And then he attacked me. And in self-defense, I stabbed him. And Bell's like, that's not what uh, our fifth president wrote in his report. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, of course not, because they were buddies. They went bowling together. So, of course, they'd stick up for one another. Is that the only friend activity you know about? I just miss bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Belle says, if we were to ask you to take off your shirt, what would we see? Would we see a bullet wound in there? Would we see a third nipple? Would we? Would we? Can we? Would we see no belly button? Please? <laughs> And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And Bell says, well, the, you know, the suspect we're looking at got winged the other night. So if you don't have a bullet wound, you've got nothing to worry about. And he's like, oh, I got nothing to worry about in the torso department. <laughs> so he takes off his shirt, shows off his tanned, oiled front, turns around, you see his tanned, oiled back. No, he's completely pale back. Right, right. He lays on his back to suntan. Um and he's like, guess I got nothing to worry about. So he's not our guy. Oh, dang. Well, maybe he just healed very quickly from the bullet wound. Maybe that's, yeah, maybe he was in an experimental unit in war that had them uh, heal really fast. Yeah. So that's still an option, but. But less likely. Less likely. What's more likely is that um, maybe this Afghanistan lady had something to do with it. Hmm. So now Joan is brushing her teeth and Sherlock comes in and is like, oh, good, you're conscious. Excellent. Bro just fucking opens the bathroom door. I'm pretty sure it's not completely closed. Okay. But yeah, maybe he uh, peeked early, put his ear up to it and listened and heard teeth brushing sounds. <laughs> and how often does he hear not teeth brushing sounds? Too often. Too often for his liking. But he, he could stop any time. <laughs> so Sherlock says it's time to visit the home that was wrecked by the home wrecker, Sam Clemens. Clennon. I think it's Clennon because I don't think they named a character after the fifth president and after Mark Twain. <laughs> Not in the same episode. No. I mean, they already have a, a, a character named after a famous book detective. <laughs> exactly. So they go to this woman's house. Her name is Elizabeth Roney. And they get to her house and her dog is like... Ferocious, two-foot-long dog. Mm -hmm. Beth's like, Gotham! Sorry, she's a bit of a man-hater. She's a man-eater. Whoa, here she comes. She's a man-eater. Watch out, boy, she'll chew your socks. <laughs> so they go into Beth's house and she was in our... Arf Afghanistan. <laughs> she brought the dog. Uh -huh. <laughs> she was in Afghanistan doing a an archaeological dig, and she's also a teacher. So first off, this isn't that important, but I have referred to her twice as the Afghanistani lady. She, she's white. Yeah, she's not Afghanistani. Yeah, she was just in Afghanistan. Um, doing some um, archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they're in her office in her home and she's got a couple um, TV set up behind her and they're kind of like uh, security camera shots of an archaeological dig. Uh, and she explains that that 
you know, normally she would be there, but she got a teaching job in New York and, you know, you can't turn those down. So she came back home and she's been working remotely, which is why she looks at the, the video. So she's really tired because they're eight hours ahead. And yeah. And then Sherlock goes, so is your husband? And the dog's like, and they cut to the dog. I just love seeing this. Whenever dogs are in like TV shows or movies or plays, especially, they have like a little, in order for them to hit their mark, you know, they have like their special little pad or mat or whatever Mm -hmm. that they have to be on. This dog is sitting on her own little like green square pillow (laughs) that's like just big enough for her. Yeah. She's a very good dog. She is. She's a very good dog actor. Mm Mm-hmm. Just follows commands like that. Yeah. Um... Dog actors are really funny to me because they're always like, like, even when they're supposed to be like, oh, no, I think he doesn't like you. You know, it's just a dog like standing in one spot going, arf, 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 <laughs> like tail wagging. Yeah. Like, I'm doing a good job on TV. You know, the, um, um, the Cujo dog, mm-hmm. they had to uh, tie his tail to his leg for shots. Because <laughs> he, he was so excited Yeah, it's not as intimidating when this giant dog is running at you with his tail going <laughs> He's just happy to be alive He's like, ah, I'm here to give you licks <laughs> No, I'm here to eat your face I'm here to give you licks like you're an ice cream cone and I'm gonna eat you <laughs> ice cream So anyway, uh He's like, is your husband around? Can we talk to your husband? And she's like, why would you want to talk to our, to my husband? And they're like, well, because your boyfriend is dead. So if you were me, wouldn't you want to talk to your husband? And she's like, oh, it's not like that. We're not together. We were, we've been separated for almost a year. He moved out to Arizona to be with his girlfriend. I went up to this archaeological dig, you know, so it wasn't an affair. It was just, we were just dating and I'm not technically divorced. And then they're also like, oh, were you also involved with the fifth president, James Monroe? She's like, no, he's been dead for years. So they're like, fair, fair. Okay. Yeah. So they go back to the brownstone and Joan is like, why did you put Baskin's case outside my door again? And Sherlock's like, well, you seem like you wanted to solve it. So you can solve it now. And Joan's like, I didn't want to solve it. I don't want to solve it now. I want to solve it when it, I wanted to solve it when it was unsolved. And Sherlock's like, well, it's solved, so. Yeah, well, I can't unsolve it. Yeah. I could, I could go release the guy from jail and you could try to track him down if you wanted. <laughs> so she's like, we're partners, yes, but that means that we should be equal. And she says, I'm, I'm good at this. I want to be useful. I don't want busy work. You know, and um, she also mentions that it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill, which I think is an interesting fact. And I think it's true. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that plenty of times. So it's interesting. And um, Sherlock's like, well, man, by episode 5,000 of this, we're going to be pretty good at podcasting. Hell yeah, we are. Get ready. <laughs> so Joan is like, whatever. Anyway, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm learning everything I can about this excavation site that um, Beth Roney, Elizabeth Roney, the woman that we just talked to, was at. And apparently it's over uh, the second largest copper deposit in the world. And they want to like blast it open for the copper, but there's all these artifacts on top of it. So, Did you know that the only place with more coppers is the precinct? Hello. And then he says, so they moved the excavation, or so they moved the um, extraction back to 2014. This episode aired in 2013. Mm-hmm. So they have like a year to get all of these artifacts out 
and then they're just going to destroy whatever is left. Yep. We need that copper. We need that copper. It's the Chinese going after the copper, too. Is it? Yeah. I don't remember that being a, a detail yep. that they mentioned. Yeah. Interesting. And Sherlock's saying maybe there was a, a robbery, a burglary. Maybe somebody took some of the excavated artifacts, but nothing was reported stolen, which either means it didn't happen or maybe it just went really well. Mm, good job. It's like stealing money from the place that shreds money. Exactly. Nobody know it's gone. Nobody will know it's gone. Then it's the next morning. Sherlock's like, oh, Joan, you attempted to work through the night. That's awesome. Because she's asleep at the table. <laughs> it, it, oh, it's, it's very funny looking at the two of them because he looks, you know, fresh as daisies and she looks like she stayed up all night. And she's like, you didn't stay up all night working on this? And he's like, I slept intermittently. Yeah, I slept <laughs> in intervals. And now he has brought three things for her. Tea, Tibetan fried bread, and the answer they seek. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what they found is that this site has a bunch of temples that have been excavated. And at each temple, there was this ceremonial or traditional, this bowl. Mm -hmm. Buddhist monks love to blaze it. Not that kind of bowl. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like a soup bowl or something, but not for soup. So they got these nice bowls. Mm-hmm. And all of the temples had one except for one. <gasps> and it happened to be the one at the site that was overseen by Bethroni and our victims. Oh, seems super sus to mm. me. Mm-hmm. And Sherlock says, look at this picture of this one bowl from another site. It's got this distinctive green design on it from the copper. And it looks just like a bowl we saw at Beth Roney's house. Ooh. And they're like, oh my God, maybe she stole it. And because it wasn't, you know, marked as stolen, nobody knew that it was stolen. She felt comfortable enough to just display it with her other stuff. Right. I mean, she was in charge of the whole dig if she didn't catalog it. It's a very easy way to... To steal things. There you go. So That's why you can't trust the people at the top of anything. It's true. And a lot of people in the middle. Hmm. I only trust bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> so now Bell has executed a search warrant for uh Beth Warrant for Beth Roney's house, and the bull's not there. Darn it. You know it is there though. Uh, uh two circles free of dust. Mm-hmm. Where the bowl and something else were. Yeah, maybe another. Probably something else that she stole that, that we just didn't know about. Yeah. Because it wasn't in every single It wasn't a temple. part of a set of five, yeah. Nine. It was nine? Yeah, there were nine temples. Oh, must not have heard. Correct. Or seven, but definitely not five. Oh, de you, you don't remember what number it was, but you know that it, I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. So, unfortunately- so Beth must have gotten rid of this bowl in between the two times that they've come by to talk to her. Well, then why don't we just track her cell phone, see where she's been, and, and, and see if she put the bowl there? You know where she's been? Where? Her office chair. Oh. She's been on a, she was on a Zoom call all night with oh. the people at the dig. Dang it. Yeah. So her partner must have come. She must have some accomplice. Oh. Mm-hmm. But then maybe neighbors uh, heard someone show up. Maybe. Maybe. You know how, I mean, when I go to my accomplice's house, I'm always like, hello, fellow accomplice, it is me. 
Howdy, neighbor. Just going to accomplice <laughs> some things. So now they're back at the brownstone. Sherlock was meditating before to try and get into the zone. And he tried meditating again, but he decided against it and threw a bowl against the wall. Because he's not feeling very zen. Because <sighs> they're very frustrating because Beth has, you know, her boyfriend is dead. She has no friends. She, uh, she doesn't, who could be her accomplice? There's nobody in her life. And he plops himself down on a trunk and Joan is like, oh, what's that? And Sherlock says, oh, this is for you. This is, without a doubt, my most loathed piece of furniture. She's like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> what a generous gift. <laughs> First off, I wish instead of a trunk, it was a little smaller. So he could say that it was his um, cold briefcases. It'd have to be much smaller. Yeah. What if it was a what if it was an unplugged freezer, his cold case? Oh. Well, if it's unplugged, it wouldn't be that cold. It's theoretical. <laughs> but yes, inside this trunk are all of the unsolved cold cases uh, that Sherlock has not been able to solve. All the everyone's that have all the ones that have stumped him. That, that somehow even the great Sherlock Holmes couldn't solve. And he says, "I support your instinct to want to do cases on your own, but I can't." You know, let a falafel cart robbery go unsolved for several days because you haven't solved it yet. Solved it yet. So this is a great way for you to get a bunch of practice on real cases that I definitely will never interfere with because I've already put all of my detecting might into them. Hmm. And then he says, who knows? You might even succeed where I have failed. You know, I like this because I, I believe he's completely genuine about this. Yeah. He's like, I've done everything I can, but I know over the last season and six episodes that you have found stuff that I haven't. You've been able to catch things that, that I did not see. You have a slightly different knowledge base than I do, and, and you're a great detective. And so I genuinely think you might be able to solve one of these. Yeah. And here's an example of this right away. They start talking about the case that they're trying to solve right now. And Sherlock's like, we got nothing. Bell did all these can did this canvas of the neighborhood. And apparently none of the neighbors heard or saw anything unusual between the two times that we visited Beth Roney. And Joan goes, nobody heard anything. Even though we know her partner was there. Her partner, who we know, is a man. He's a man. He's a man. But nobody heard the dog barking. The dog hates men. What? Dog would bark in men. Yeah. So they go back to Beth Roney's house for a little standing parlor room reveal. Ooh. So the dog is barking at them again because it's, you know, Belle and Sherlock and Joan are there. And they're like, hey, you want to get your dog under control? And Beth is like, no. Yeah. I, I mean, if we didn't know that she was guilty of um, robbery and murder, or, you know, at least an accomplice, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great little scene. She's like, fuck you. This is my house. I don't want you here. I'm going to let my dog do whatever the fuck my dog wants. <laughs> yeah. But she is, you know, guilty. So they've got an animal control person with that weird wire loop thing. Yeah. And, and, and so they're like, either you take care of our dog or this <laughs> weird cartoon that we got from Lady in the Tramp will do it for us. So they tell her that they realized her partner is actually her former partner. What? what? Her ex-husband, Cameron. Apparently, he's, first of all, not in Arizona. He's in New York City. Those are two different places. Yeah, they are. And they talk to him 
And they were like, hey, we have your blood and we can match your DNA to the blood and pin all of this on you. So he was like, I'd like to roll, please. (laughs) So he told them everything. And Sherlock's like, now, how did we know to talk to your ex-husband? Well, you have your feminazi hound to thank for that one. You know, we knew that a man came to your house to take away those bowls, but your dog didn't bark. So was it somebody she had gotten used to over time? Or maybe someone she never forgot. Dogs don't forget. <gasps> wow. And then this is the the only other time we see her husband. Or the only time we see her husband, which is a picture of him and the dog. Yeah, yeah. I actually actually I do find that very interesting. Is is the only time that we ever see the actual killer is at the beginning when he's threatening the captain's wife for a second before he shoots the other dude. Um both times with masks. Both times with masks. Yeah, and then in this picture. Mm-hmm. It might not even be the guy in the picture. <laughs> nope, it could just be the real owner of the dog. Yeah. Like the tra- the actor dog. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The the <laughs> Our killer could be played by three different actors. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoever was on set at the day, on the day. Yeah. We saw the killer. We saved the day. Now we need to develop some characters. So Captain's taking a little nappy on his couch, and Sherlock comes into his office. And he's like, hello, I have the thing you didn't ask for. <laughs> and the captain is like, I didn't even tell you who he was. And Sherlock's like, yeah, but I'm Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, you told me everything I needed. Blue pickup truck. Worked as a contractor on your house. Yeah. It was really just that second one because I looked at the records. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, asked, I didn't ask you to do this. And Sherlock says, well, I wanted to help. Just nice. Aww. And this Stephen Accorsi guy, he seems above board, you know. And then he asks the captain if he likes this contractor. Captain's like, no, I didn't like him. He's like, so your wife knew you didn't like him? He's like, yeah, I made it really obvious. And Sherlock's like, well, maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe she was trying to get you jealous. Maybe she was trying to get a reaction from you because she picked the one guy in the world that you would be the most annoyed by. And then he says, usually I cheer the end of a marriage. I think it's a stupid, uh, I don't think it's a stupid thing to do, but I've come to appreciate the premise of partnerships. Because of Joan! Yeah, because of Joan! Because of Joan! He doesn't like marriage, but he likes having a partner! Yeah! And he says, you know, even small gestures speak volumes and you, you have a partner in her. Maybe you still have a partner. So Captain's like, you're telling me not to give up. And Sherlock's like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. So then the captain goes to his wife's house. I mean, it's it's like their house, but she lives in it. Yeah. So she opens the door and of course he's standing there, but he's not by himself. He's also got a little puppy with him, Gotham. He's like, hey, this little um, girl's owner is going away for a while. I thought maybe you could use the company. Warning, she does hate strange men. Mm-hmm. And he says, I had to give her half a roast beef sandwich just to get her in the car, which I think is funny. <laughs> but then the captain's wife is like, oh, I get it. Doesn't like strange men. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he's like, well, y- yes, of course, that's helpful. But also, I have realized that this trial separation, it's its not just going to go away magically and, and, and you asked for it because you needed time. You needed time to, to think and you need time by yourself and um, that th- this time is not just a, a waiting period. It's, it's time for you to figure out what you need and it's time for me 
to figure out how best I can give you what you need. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to use this time to work on myself. But I will respect the space you need and give you time. It's not give up. Yeah. So he, he says, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to do what I can to have this separation end eventually, but I'm not going to rush it. But I do love you, basically. <laughs> and then he says, good night, sweetheart. And he leaves. Mm. That's really, it's nice. I like that the res- the resolution or the end of that storyline is him being like, okay, bye. Yeah. And not her like, why don't you come in for some food mm-hmm. or something, you know? And then our last closing shot is Joan going over to the trunk of coldness <laughs> and opening it up and she looks really happy and Sherlock is in the background just like, I hate that trunk. <laughs> But I like that lady. She is valuable to me. So there we have it. That was our episode. I liked it. Me too. Now we have two questions, I believe. Oh boy. Yes. Got some curious kittens watching. You're listening. Yeah, sure. So this is from PR the Disaster, who asked this question on our Discord, which you can join by clicking the link in the episode description or by going on our Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash elementopcast and uh, clicking on our pinned tweet. So PR says, um, is there an episode where there's an equivalent of Sherlock Holmes books in the elementary universe? Um, the answer to that is just no. <laughs> um, but Sorry, it just makes me think of in the in Supernatural and they, when they introduce Chuck, who has written all these supernatural books. I never watched Supernatural. It's it's funny. Okay. <laughs> it sounds funny. Uh, PR says, I imagine it being a fairly indie book that one of their clients know, and everybody keeps owning Sherlock by saying he's just copying his misunderstood genius shtick sh- from this one book. <laughs> but y'all are the specialists here, so I should ask you, how would it go? I think it would be really funny if somebody was like, oh, so you're like a Hercule Perot type, huh? <laughs> He would he would absolutely pick it apart. Like he, I imagine, like he might not know about it at first, mm-hmm. but then he would go and read a few, and and he would just like tear them apart and like this is unrealistic. This is <laughs> he would either be like this is unrealistic, or he would be like this is the best book I've ever read. <laughs> this is such a good book because <laughs> yeah, there isn't a like fictional detective within the elementary universe that has the like notoriety that you know Sherlock Holmes does. But people do end up writing about Sherlock Holmes in elementary. I mean, wouldn't you? I don't really go for true crime, so no. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that'd be really funny if people were like, you're just like this guy. And he's like, that character was based off a of bait. <laughs> <laughs> I am that guy. Yeah. Although he would say something like, me and that guy are one. Right. He would say it in a different way. A fancy way. Then we have a question from Joe Bulldozer at The Tallest Jew, who says, My mom briefly dated a guy who trained attack dogs. That's interesting. And despite being like 13, I was six plus feet at the time, so they perceived me as an adult, and since men are common assailants per their training, their hackles rose when I reached towards them to pet them, frowny face. Oh, That is... Aww. That stinks. Um, but the guy also taught me that dogs' eye sockets are larger than their eyeballs as a defense mechanism in case they get smacked in the face. So if you gently poke a dog in the eye, if they're okay with it, you can feel their eye float backwards. So that was a neat fact to learn. I kind of want to do that. You leave Balto alone. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think I could do that without feeling mean. Yeah, although I am glad to know that he has a bit of a defense mechanism because there have been plenty of times where I've accidentally smacked him right in the face. (laughs) Just like crawling out of bed and like foot 
face. Jeez. <laughs> Good to know. He's fine. Yeah. So the last tweet in the thread says, none of that was a question, LMAO. Uh, if you trained your dog to be sexist, do you think its training would just completely break its brain if it encountered a trans slash non-binary person, or would it just misgender the person? In other words, would that just be making a dog transphobic? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's hard to teach dogs gender. I think you could teach t- dogs sex, mm-hmm. or like... Uh, yeah, like the dog would become a gatekeeper, probably. Like you'd have to really pass to be seen as a woman by the dog or a man by the dog. I, I have, I don't remember where, must have been on Reddit or something, but I, I did hear a story about um, someone who was, um, I, I, I think they were, they're a trans girl. Um, and, and she was saying that like she met a dog that does not like boys and would always bark at them. And did not bark at her. It was, like, actually, like, loving and, and nice towards her. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Girls just have that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, inter- inter- it's interesting when, when this kind of thing happens because I had a class in college um, where I played with a bunch of babies because it was an occupational therapy class. I was the only guy. You were – how were you playing with them? Like, juggling and, like mm-hmm. – <laughs> Um, and there was this one little baby girl who had a single mother and was absolutely fascinated by me because I was the only guy in the room, one of the very few guys in this little baby's life. And it's probably just because facial hair and a deeper voice. Yeah. But, but yeah, she'd be on the ground and she would just stare up at me. Just <laughs> completely enthralled. Like, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. It, it's hard to um, use the anecdotal evidence that I have of being a non-binary person. Um, because, I mean, Balto doesn't care what kind of person you are at all. But um, my parents, like my mom's bird, Rudy, really likes girls and thinks that they're really pretty. And he's always just like, hi. <laughs> How are you? Hi. But he also has known me since I was a baby and has always loved me and been obsessed with me. Mm. You know, the normal amount. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know how birds are. Anyway, um, so he hasn't, like, thought I'm less interesting and fascinating (laughs) as I've transitioned, (laughs) question mark. But I'm not, you know, like, taking hormones or anything, so. Yeah, yeah, when you came out to Rudy, he was just like, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't use pronouns because I don't speak sentences, <laughs> but good to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it would be a very slippery slope for dogs. But anyway, those were our questions for the week. Um, you can send in any questions you have for us at twitter.com slash elementopcast, like I already said. That's also our Tumblr. And I was thinking of, I might start posting there more like screenshots and stuff um, because I just think it's fun. I might, I might be hashtag elementary posting on our Tumblr. A little bit. <laughs> um, I might even reblog stuff. I'm not really sure yet, but I don't know if you're interested in that, you know, maybe follow us, maybe not. <laughs> Another way to talk to us is through Discord, like I said before, our pinned tweet, or it's the link at the bottom of all of our episode descriptions. If you would like to say a nice thing 
to us, about us, for other people to read, you could go on iTunes and review the show. Um, that would be super cool. We have some people to thank. First of all, I'd like to thank Noisepace.xyz, the host of us, for hosting us. Uh, they've got a lot of good podcasts on there, like Kyle XY and Kid Nation Nation and Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, Not a Threat, Just a Fact, City Girls Make Do, and Zero to Zero, a podcast you might want to keep an eye out for in the future. <laughs> Maybe. Want to thank Noah Geist at Owl Dude for our um, podcast song, or intro song, I mean, and uh, Summer Geist at Stellar Ghost for our podcast art. I have been and will be Val Flight Cub. You can find me on Twitter at Flight Cub B, and the second B stands for Bowl. <laughs> and I'm Alec. You can find me sitting in front of my TV playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey for over 200 hours. It's a good game. And I'm probably going to do at least another 50 more. <laughs> so I'll be here for a while if you want to come visit. Just look for the dent in the couch that's shaped like Alec's butt. <laughs> if he's not there, he'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. This marble will keep on rolling. Goodbye. Gerbils. She's watching the detectives. Ooh, he's so cute. She's watching the detectives.